Canada, to Ottawa, in the name of freedom and has earned the trust of many Albertans. Chris has been the center of the Premier's attention and a thorn in the side of Alberta government's tyrannical, tyrannical rule. He's also very pa a very passionate man and continues to stand strong as he uh, sacrifices so much for the well-being of his family, friends, and fellow Albertans. Let's give a warm APP welcome for Mr. Chris Scott, the Whistle Stop Cafe in Mirror, Alberta. Well, thank you very much. Uh, how many people enjoyed supper tonight? I don't have to clap to show you how much I enjoy my supper. All I got to do is just show you my profile. So thank you all for coming. Uh, it's great to see a packed house for something like this. And I know that the food had, is, is part of the reason you're here, but there's more to it, isn't there? There's more of a reason why you're here in this building today than just the food, am I right? Yeah. Is it because you're all angry? You're a bunch of angry Albertans, is that why? Yeah. Maybe somewhat. But I would argue that we're here for something more important than food. No, that's not true, because there is no such thing. We're here for something different than food, and it's not because we're angry, because we've been angry in this province and in this country for years, have we not? I mean, there's all sorts of things that we're angry about. We're angry that we're taxed too much. We are angry that we end up with these ridiculous fools elected as our prime ministers, and they just continuously make Canada look bad on the global stage. That's made me angry. Uh, we get angry when our respective industries, whether it be energy or agriculture or whatever, are uh, vilified by external groups, and then our government bows to them instead of sticking up for us. That's made me angry. But that's been happening for years, so what's different? What's different today that makes you want to come to an event where we're talking about Alberta prosperity through independence? Could it be that you've seen things happen in the last two or three years, and it's really, really tugged on your heart watching how it's affected people around you? That's why I'm here. Originally, I started speaking up and, 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 and standing up because government policy had affected me to the point where I was about to lose my business and everything I've worked for. That's why I stood up. But because I did that, I had this great privilege of having conversations with thousands of people from all across Alberta and across the country and across the globe, believe it or not, we had people phoning the Whistle Stop Cafe from Australia, and Ireland, and Scotland, and Russia, and no, we weren't planning. <laughs> so I've spoken to a lot of people, and I've heard a lot of stories, and some of them are absolutely heartbreaking, and when you hear those stories, you cannot unhear them. And these aren't stories like, hey, you know, I paid a lot of tax last year, so I'm really, you know, I'm really sad. These are stories of devastating personal loss that people have experienced in the last three years and, and even prior to that. And what I realized was most of the stories, if not all of them, the root cause was governments being political, doing things for political purposes 
and leaving people behind, which is exactly the opposite of what our government's supposed to do. Our government is supposed to foster prosperity. Our government is supposed to encourage us to flourish in our lives and have happy lives and, and fulfilling lives. Our governments aren't supposed to be putting us under their thumb and squeezing us so hard that we pop like a pimple. That's not the job of the government. But that's what it has become. And if you don't believe me, I would encourage you to look up some statistics. Look up how many federal politicians we have in this country. And I'll give you a hint, it's a million. About 500,000 in, in normal times and another 500,000 around tax time. The total payroll for federal government and federal bureaucracy last year was almost $15 billion. In Canada, we elect one person to govern us for every 10 people in the room. That's scary. I have this image in my mind of those who disagree with my stance on prosperity and independence, and I, I, I can see them and I can hear them in this crazy voice saying, please, oh please, govern me harder, daddy. <laughs> We're way over governed, way over governed. How many of you have seen a movie called Ungovernable? I like the movie, but I, I really think we're over-governed myself. So what does this mean? What does this mean that we have this huge bureaucracy, this huge government, and we're kind of left to try and survive in the midst of all the rules, regulations, taxes, all this stuff? What does it mean for us? Well, most of us in this room, we're a little bit older. I see some white and gray hairs here. So it may mean less for us than it does for our kids. I mean, in my lifetime, things have changed to the point where it's almost, almost impossible to start a business and be prosperous and successful. It's certainly impossible for the average person to become a farmer or become a, a, a dairy, a da start a dairy farm or start a ranch. It's almost impossible. Do you know how much we pay for the privilege of collecting eggs from one chicken to sell to each other. Do you know what that costs? No poultry farmers here? No egg aficionados? It's $600 per chicken. If I want to sell you eggs, I have to pay the government $600 for the privilege of collecting that chicken's eggs. And when I say the privilege of, of, of collecting the chicken's eggs, I mean the privilege of feeding that chicken, watering the chicken, scratching it behind its ear, cleaning up its poop, Put, having a place for it, paying a gas bill with carbon tax and GST added on it to house that chicken, I have to pay $600 for that privilege. How much does it cost for the, for the privilege of milking one cow to sell to each other? Somebody in here knows, I know someone knows, I see some Dutch people. <laughs> Nobody knows? You want me to tell you? It's $100,000. We have to pay the government an exorbitant amount of money for the privilege of raising food for each other and earning a living. 
I think we have a problem. In the territories, they've just made it illegal to sell vegetables and fruit to each other. You have to do it through the government. You can no longer sell fruit and vegetables to each other. You will go to jail. Just as, just as you'll go to jail if the government tells you you have to close your business in case somebody may get sick. Now I know that for a fact that they will throw you in jail. They'll drag you down the highway and they will throw you in jail if you are a pastor and you're, you're preaching the word of God to, to your congregation. Unless they say it's okay. So we have some really big problems here. Some huge problems. And they require some very drastic measures. I would argue, and I would put to you, that we have to do something that we've never done before. We have to do something different. Would anybody disagree with me? There's a lot of people that disagree with me on this point. One of them's name is Jagmeet Singh. Does anybody know who Jagmeet Singh is? I'm sure he's a wonderful guy. I mean, this is somebody's fa father, somebody's son, somebody's brother. So let's not hate him. We'll disagree with him for now. Although I really don't like the guy. A, a, a millionaire telling me that I have to own nothing and be happy to the benefit of everybody else while he eats caviar and drinks $1,000 bottles of wine. Come on. We have to do something different, and it's got to be different than we've ever done before. It has to be monumental. And what, what's required to do something like that? Teamwork, cooperation, unity. All words that we've heard over the last while. As a matter of fact, we even heard them in some songs before we uh, had the, the speaking portion of this. And as usual, I never prepare a speech, just in case you're wondering. So everything I'm speaking to you is a, is a result of things that I, are fresh in my memory, specifically those songs. And the word unity and confederation are really ringing in my ears. We have to be unified in our desire and our, our purpose and in our, our path to change something, to do something that's never been done before. And men like Jagmeet Singh, women like Rachel Notley, um, unfortunately some, some other people within the province, they are telling me that because I want to do something different that's never been done before to the benefit of, the, of my fellow Albertans, to remove the roadblocks to prosperity, they are telling me that I am un-Canadian, that I'm, I don't believe in democracy. I've been called a scofflaw, I've been called a rebel, by my friend Jason even. I couldn't believe it when he said that about me. He's a Kenny, for those of you that know. <laughs> so as I heard that song, and it was talking about confederation and unity and working together, I kind of was, was thinking to myself, how, how do we, how does this fit with the idea of confederation and a unified Canada? What are we unified, how are we unified? What are we unified in? Because unity, I don't think there's a purpose of unifying around something like, uh, well, it seems ridiculous to me to unify around the idea of not producing any carbon dioxide, which means you can't breathe, in order to flourish. That doesn't seem like something we should unify around because it's not the truth. The truth is we need to use more energy so we can free up our time and we can spend our time doing things that increase our prosperity. So if we're going to unify, we have to unify around the truth. 
Now, in the context of Canada being unified, this country, as far as my second grade teacher, Misty, Ma Misty Ambro, told me, is free. And it's free because people fought and they died for our freedoms. So that we don't have to. Do we have to? Yeah. Yes, of course we do. Our forefathers didn't fight and die for our freedom, so we don't have to. They did that so we had the opportunity to continue fighting for them. So what we're unified around in this country is the idea that we have individual rights and freedoms guaranteed to us. We are free to prosper. We're free to fail, actually, as well. And I would argue that if we're going to be unified as Canadians, we should be pursuing those ideals of individual rights and freedoms. Now, unfortunately, our federal government has, they have a different plan. They don't like the idea of individual rights and freedoms. They don't like the idea that we may have really cool long rifles in the closet that we can defend our property, that we have the right to own. They don't like that. They don't like that we, they don't like that we can go work in the energy sector and be prosperous and not have to rely on government. They don't like that. They're, that's very anti-Canadian, if you ask me. It is anti-Canadian to side with tyrants who want to take your rights away or think that they can take your rights away whenever they feel. That's anti-Canadian. So the truth that I want people to unify around is that if we're faced with a federal government that's going down that path of, of removing our rights and freedoms or interfering with them anytime they want, somebody has to stand up and say enough is enough. Some restaurant in this country has to stand up and say enough is enough. I'm not going to follow your laws because they interfere with my rights and freedoms that are given to me by God, not by you. And you know what? If you can justify your interference, okay, that's fine. That's how we peacefully coexist in society. But until then, no thanks. Somebody has to stand up and say enough is enough. Is Ontario going to do this for us? Is Ontario, that has 95% of our federal bureaucracy driving 15% of their economy, is that the province that's going to stand up and say, hey, we got to push back against this idea of own nothing, be happy, because it's wrong. That's not what Canada is about. Canada is about individual rights and freedoms and the ability to prosper and flourish of your own accord. That's what it's about. It's not Ontario that's going to do that. Well, Quebec? I'm actually unsure about that. There's a big movement, a big freedom movement in Quebec, even though they're recipients of two of every three dollars of equalization. Unfortunately, I don't think it's big enough. Is British Columbia going to do it? They're certainly not. So, if some province has to stand up for the ideals that this country was founded on, there's only one province that's going to do it right now. There's only one province that has the momentum and the drive and they've been affected enough to get enough people together to stand up and say enough, enough, enough is enough, and that province is Alberta. So if somebody has to take a stand to stop what's happening, if somebody has to stand up to this Goliath of a federal government, 
in order to, to benefit everybody in this land, it's, it has to be Alberta. We have to do this. If you really actually believe in what it means to be Canadian, you have, we have to stand up against the structure of Canada. Isn't that ironic? Now, I should probably say, Canada was never meant to be like this. I used to think that maybe this was all by design so that they could do this to us, but now I've kind of changed my mind. I think this is a very, what's happened to us is a very opportunistic response to a pandemic. I'm gonna explain something to, to, to help you better understand this. So, does anyone know why Canada's called a confederation? Nobody? He does. Canada is a, a confederation. We were founded on the idea that each province has its own, uh, its own identity and its own sovereign areas of jurisdiction. It's own, like the people are just a little bit different, so they're sovereign to chart their own course. That's why we are a confederation. A confederation literally means against a federation. If this was a federation, what we would have said when we all joined was, we're not gonna be sovereign. Um, you can take all the power, federal government, and we'll just do what you say. We didn't do that, and we wouldn't do that. None of the provinces would do that. So when we were invited into this confederation, the idea was that we could maintain our provincial identities, we could develop our resources, we could administer our own healthcare, we could collect our own taxes, we could have our own pension plan, we can have our own social programs and take care of our own people because regions are different and we need to do it differently, to do it correctly and effectively. That's why Canada is a confederation. All of the member states are supposed to retain their sovereignty in all of these areas. Now sovereignty has become a dirty word, has it not? And it makes no sense to me. These people who say that they're Canadian and believe in Canadian identity and Canadian values, except for Trudeau, because he says Canada doesn't have an identity, and he's almost correct. All of these folks, um, Jagmeet Singh is the most recent one with his little foray in Calgary with the union bosses. Rachel Notley with her constant lies about what Alberta sovereignty is. Most of the left, although not all, there's a lot, believe it or not, there's, a, there's I, would, I shouldn't say a lot, there are some liberal and NDP voting Alberta Prosperity Project supporters. Isn't that funny? What they're saying about Alberta asserting its, its independence or sovereignty in certain areas, what they're saying about it being undemocratic and unconstitutional and un-Canadian is wrong, it's contrary, and it is a lie. They are lying. Our constitution in this country literally says that the provinces have sovereign jurisdiction in those areas. We're not even, we don't even have to ask for anything that we're not already guaranteed. It's all there. So I get really upset when, you know, a premier with some balls, Danielle Smith, says Alberta is going to assert dominance over their sovereign constitutional jurisdictions, and she's told that that's un-Canadian. It makes my blood boil. What's un-Canadian to me is 
tyrants and dictators that don't like that idea because they want to be able to keep control. They want to be able to keep locking you down. They want to be able to keep taxing you without representing you to their own benefit. That's why they're saying these things. So this Sovereignty Act, that's the, it's, the, it's the talk of the town, is the most Canadian thing I've seen a government do in my entire life. A government is actually saying, listen, we want to peacefully coexist in a united Canada as we were intended to, as our forefathers intended us to. We want that for our province. Give it to us, federal government. And there's people saying that it's un-Canadian. Hypocrisy of the worst kind. So what does that mean? What does that mean that we, we have a government that's actually talking about having us peacefully coexist as provinces as we're intended to, and we have a group of people saying attacking, like attacking constantly, a media that's relentless in their lies and they're twisting the truth. What does that mean for us? What do we have to do? We know what the truth is. Is there anyone in this room that isn't convinced that we have to do something different that's never been done before? Is there anyone in this room that isn't convinced that Alberta has to stand up and say enough is enough in the face of own nothing and be happy? Is there anybody in this room that doesn't have compassion for their fellow Canadians from sea to shining sea who are faced with the same problems we are? But maybe they just talk a little funny. <laughs> if we know what the truth is, and we know the path that we have to take, we have to do everything we can to support those who are charting that course. We have to do everything we can to prevent the liars and the thieves and the manipulators. Did I say the media? Because I just described them. <laughs> we have to do everything we can to protect these ideas from those outside forces that seek to, the, to sink the ship. We're going somewhere in this province. We're on the right track right now. I mean, I don't think it's quite fast enough, nothing's perfect, and I don't agree with everything. However, we're on our way to doing something that's never been done before. We have to support and encourage and, and, and acknowledge when people are doing the right thing and going the right way. And one of the, one of the ways we do that is by building groups like this with very loud voices, with very large numbers, and, and using that to guide and direct and encourage the path that politicians are taking. So the Alberta Prosperity Project has around 10,000-ish members. I mean, it's not a huge number, but it's certainly not a small number. And I believe that even with 10,000 members, we've influenced policy in this province for the better. We have a premier who has said that she understands and she's not opposed to what we're talking about with freedom through independence. However, she wants to exhaust all other avenues first. That's great. She's even said that should her plan fail, it becomes our job as Albertans and as the Alberta Prosperity Project to make that independence referendum happen. Our government is talking about this organization and they're setting policy based off things that we talk about in these rooms. Isn't that something?
time, some of you are like four times as old as me, so you might. <laughs> Can you ever remember a time when you've gone to meetings like this, grassroots kind of things, organic uh, uh, organizations, that you, you speak about things and then you hear the government talking about it next week? I haven't. I mean, for me, it's always been, we hear these generic talking points about, uh, you know, putting Alberta first, or Alberta prosperity, or means nothing, it's like a, a token, like a, just crumbs that they're throwing for us. And then we talk about things in coffee shops or maybe small meetings or whatever, but it never makes its way to the government, or if we talk to the government, it's like it falls on deaf ears, but it's different now. We're actually making a difference. We're actually getting things done. So with 10,000 members, we've influenced policy and fostered the idea of real Canadian values of, of prosperity and independence and rights and freedoms. What could we do with 100,000 members? What could we do with 200,000 members? What could we do with a million? Well, I'll tell you. With even 200,000 or a quarter of a million members, we could change the path that this province takes. We could influence policy and we could influence government. And I, I dare to use the word control, but that is ultimately our job to control the direction of the government, is it not? The government is just a reflection of our will, or they're supposed to be. So I guess that's not a very bold thing to say that we could control it. We should control it. Because this, their, their, their policy and their, their decisions and their actions impact each one of our lives. How much was your life impacted when some... <laughs> guy from the East started to tax you on the energy that you use. Tax you on everything. How much of an impact did that make on your life when you started having to pay a carbon tax? Pretty big impact, right? How much of an impact is this gonna make in your lives when our federal government tells you how much fertilizer you can input to your crops? How much of an impact is it going to make to Alberta and Albertans and your children when the government says you can no longer raise livestock because climate change. But don't worry because there's already cricket powder on the shelves in, at Loblaw's stores. Attacking everything that makes us human does not seem like a very Canadian thing to me. It seems like something that we should be fighting back against with every ounce of energy until our last breath. Because it is true that thousands, tens of thousands, hundreds of thousands of people have given their lives so that you can live your life in freedom. So what is, how much energy and time and effort should we be giving to make sure that we keep it? I would say probably all of it. And if not for you, then do it for your kids. I don't want my kids growing up in a, in a time where they think eating a steak is uh, oh, evil or, you know, 
they, they drive a car so they have to feel guilty because they're, they're destroying everything for everyone else. That's a bunch of BS. I want my kids to grow up in the Canada that I knew when I was that age. So that's our job. Our job is to protect what we have and not let um, self-serving, tyrannical, tyrannical bureaucrats take away what our ancestors gave their lives for, all based on a fraudulent, ideologically motivated fallacy that has no basis in reality. I guess it does actually, but it's not the reality what they say. The reality is they want your money, they want to control you, you're useless eaters, and you have no business with individual rights and freedoms. Because that doesn't benefit them. If you don't believe those last few statements I made, if you, if you really haven't seen yet that this is not about these things that are being pushed on us from a federal level and a little bit provincially um, with regards to taxation over climate, a lot of health stuff, agriculture, energy, these things that are, that are coming down, they're not for our benefit. The end goal here is complete submission. Submission. You should not prosper because if you prosper, you don't have to rely on the government. And the government, being your new gods, want you to worship them and rely on them for everything. And that's a, you might actually have just pictured me wearing a tinfoil hat saying that, but what I'm telling you is available online. You can go and read it for yourself. And Believe it or not, it was a conservative prime minister who set us down this path. It was a conservative prime minister from Calgary, from the West, who we thought was going to be the savior of the West. Mr. Stephen Harper actually signed Canada onto this idea that we should own nothing and be happy. Now, to be fair, I really don't think he expected what it's turned into. But you should remember, this is not a right or a left thing. This is not a conservative or a liberal argument. This is a human, human beings, human flourishing, human prosperity, or an anti-human argument. That's what this is about. Good versus evil. I really don't think the people that call you useless eaters uh, believe in the sanctity of life. I do. I believe that every life is important. I believe that everybody has a purpose. Everybody has value. Even though I may not like them. Like Jagmeet Singh. I don't like him. But I believe he has a purpose and value. <laughs> wow. We're supposed to be reducing fertilizer. Not uh, increasing it. We have to push back against this anti-human sentiment. And out of all of the groups that say they want to do something, this group, the Alberta Prosperity Project, this is the group that I choose to put my time and effort in, in service, to bring this education to the people of Alberta, that yes, we have a problem. The problem is different than it was before. There is a solution, and, act, and we need to act and act out of compassion to fix what's happening. And so, you know, 
you might uh, you might hear us saying, hey, you know, please buy your memberships or make a donation or something like that, and think, ah, you know, people are always asking for money. I hate to ask for money. I really do. But unfortunately, if we want to educate Albertans and make a difference, it costs money. I know it's stupid that we have to pay for things, but that's the way it is. So if you haven't already, please get your membership. It's 20 bucks. It's cheaper than two months of Netflix, I think. I don't subscribe to Netflix anymore, so Christina Freeland told me if I canceled those, I could prosper. So. So, no, I don't want to do so, so, in, so instead of, instead of doing that, um, now I subscribe to Western Standard and Rebel News, and I support media, independent media organizations, and I spend my time speaking for the Alberta Prosperity Project. I use cash whenever I can, although I have no cash, so it's pretty hard to use it, and places don't yet take pocket lint. <laughs> I would encourage you to do, to do the same thing. And yes, it is true that ultimately it's going to be a government that is creating policy and legislation that puts Alberta on whatever course Alberta takes. But outside of politics, organizations like this, building their numbers, building from 10,000 to 20,000 to 100,000 members, that forces the government to pay attention to the to the point that our premier actually acknowledges that a referendum on independence may be the only solution for Alberta. I know it is. She says it may be. She acknowledges it. And she knows that if we're to do this as Albertans, it has to become attainable. <coughs> so the government of the day is going to cut the, the number required for the Citizens Initiative referendum from 20% to 10% so that we can actually get it done. So that, you know, 10 bucks or 20 bucks or 5,000 bucks that you put in the bucket as it goes around, that's what that's doing. It's getting this message out to more Albertans so the voice becomes louder, the numbers become larger, the government pays attention, and we can get things done. So please help us get things done. And I think that's all I got. The heat turned on, it's getting really hot up here. <laughs> So uh, thank you very much for your time and your attention.